This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 106 of the Dressage Radio Show, brought to you with the generous support of Equestrian Collections and Kentucky Performance Products. Hello, I'm Chris Stafford, and my guest this week is Karen Blignold, who's the author of Equine Biomechanics for Riders. And we're also going to hear from Charlie Stevens, who's president of the Kentucky Dressage Association. And uh, she's going to give us a report on the big show that they had at the Kentucky Horse Park this past weekend. But first of all, I want to bring you news of a campaign that we have initiated here at the Horse Radio Network. And along with its many media partners, have started a fundraising campaign for those affected by the recent tragedies in the flooding the flooding and the tornadoes that have swept the continental USA. This initiative is called The Horse World Gives Back and it begins with an online radiothon that will be broadcast live on Monday, June 6th from 6 till 9 p.m. Eastern at horseworldgivesback.com and as well as many of our affiliate websites. So we encourage you to tune in and give what you can, no matter how small or large, towards the charities we have chosen. Glenn, Jamie and I will host this three-hour radiothon and we will learn firsthand some of the stories from the affected areas. Plus, we'll be joined by some of the top riders and clinicians in the world who will share their support for this campaign. So we hope you will join us on Monday evening. You can call in to 347-637-3238. That's the number to call to donate and participate in this Radiothon. And that number, of course, will be on our website too at horseworldgivesback.com. And the second part of this campaign of the Horse World Gives Back is the Horse World Gives Back Retail Day, which is being staged on June the 7th when 5% of every purchase at the participating equine retailers will be giving back to the charities that we've chosen. So if you're planning to buy anything over the next month, please do so on June the 7th at one of the participating retailers and you will be helping those in need. All the donations will be channeled to those in need, as I said, via the Kentucky Horse Council's U.S. Equine Disaster Relief Fund and the Red Cross. So we hope you'll join us next Monday the 6th between 6 and 9 p.m. Eastern for the Radiothon, the three-hour Radiothon at horseworldgivesback.com and uh, participate with your retailers, the retailers that are involved with this campaign who will be donating the 5% of every purchase on the 7th of June. So my show this week, as I said, begins with... um, Charlie Charlie Stevens, who is the president of the Kentucky Horse, uh, the Kentucky Dressage Association, I should say, and they held their big show at the Kentucky Horse Park this weekend, CDI, as well as lots of national competitions. So I was able to catch up with Charlie and hear how that went. Well, Charlie, welcome to the show. I know you've had a very busy weekend with the KDA's Big Spring Show, uh, and you had some different weather, didn't you, each day? Some in favour of the horses and then some in favour of the spectators. Yes, we did, Chris. Thank you so much for having us on. We really appreciate it, and and certainly this show has grown leaps and bounds from, you know, 350 rides, what seems eons ago, 
um, even just showing a 22.5% increase in number of rides from last year to this year. And everyone who came definitely got a good sample of Kentucky weather. They did, didn't they? Well, that's what we say, don't we? If you come to Kentucky, if you don't like the weather, just stick around five minutes. Isn't that what we say over here? Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Well, let's set the scene. You were at the Kentucky Horse Park in the dressage complex there, which has how many arenas, Charlie? There are five arenas and um, accompanying warm-ups. A few of them are split, but it's a a nice complex that needs some improvement. Well, we're going to talk about that part, the needs some improvement part (laughs) afterwards, because I know you've got some big plans to raise money to develop this complex, which is in a fabulous location. If, if anyone has not been to the Kentucky Horse Park, to the dressage complex there, even without the improvements that it's going to have, it's a really nice place to be, and I know your visitors enjoyed it. Let's talk a, a, about the weekend. How many classes did you have, Charlie? We had, we had four classes on um, Thursday, we had we ran our full class schedule on Thursday, which started with intro. We had a couple of specialty classes um, for Arabians and Thoroughbreds, weighted percentage classes. Then moving into Friday, um, we ran training level through the Grand Prix as well as the CDI One Star on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And we ran full realm, open, amateur, and junior, junior rider and young rider classes as well as the Brentina Cup and the four or five and six-year-old young horse Wow. Well, that's a lot of organization for the KDA, but this is your big spring event, isn't it? It has exactly used the perfect word. This has gone from being a horse show to being an event. It is a tremendous event, and it is a lot of fun. We are very lucky that we have over 100. We only have 150 members, and over 100 of them volunteer each year at the show to help it run smoothly. We have people who have favorite positions that work every year, and everybody's just happy to be there, which makes the experience wonderful for the competitors and the officials as well. As a matter of fact, we got a lot of outstanding comments, and we appreciate those from officials about how wonderful and and cheerful our volunteers were. Good Kentucky hospitality, isn't it? Yes, it is. (laughs) Well, let's talk about some of those highlights. Uh, You did have riders come all the way from Florida, didn't you? And uh, one of those was Lisa Wilcox, who took the top honors there. Tell us about her rides. Oh, Lisa's rides were were spectacular. Um, You know, what can you say when you score 76 in in, in intermediate one? It's a phenomenal ride, just lovely. And and not only that, but very gracious competitor, nice, nice to have around the show. You know, really, truly, overall, her horse included the quality. We generally have a very nice quality of horses, and this year the quality just seemed to be even more outstanding than it has ever been. Really, truly, we were very blessed. Well, her partner, of course, uh, that she took top honors with was Pico del Cerro HU, which uh, she took over that ride from Michaela Gunderson, didn't she, the Danish rider. And th- this is a horse I think she has Pan Ams in mind with. I would, I would believe that's why she came to see us. Yes. <laughs> came all the way from Florida. So you, you had uh, how many riders in total, did you say, this week's, this week's show? We had 291 bridal numbers in total. We had uh, 31, including the young riders and the junior riders in the CDI. And who were your officials? Who were your judges this weekend? Our judges were um, the ground jury president was Ms. Lila Four. The foreign judge was Ms. Joan McCartney. 
Um, the member was Miss Lois Eukins. Um, the other judges at our show, we were graced with the presence of Dolly Hannon, Susan Mandis, Nancy Porter, and Debbie Savage. All right. Well, as you said, you started off on Thursday with your opening classes, run right through the weekend. So you've got a bit of every taste of Kentucky weather and hospitality. And there was some partying to be had, wasn't there, Charlie? It wasn't just riding, was it? (laughs) Yeah, no. uh, The event Kentucky style includes some partying. And we were um, very blessed that we were able to access the suites in the new Altec Arena on the third floor where I personally had never been before. But what a spectacular view for everybody to come up in the Kentucky Horse Park um, Catering Division did a wonderful job of catering that event for us and making it really spectacular. Karen Bourne, um, with her company, Bourne Saddlery, donated a saddle for us to give away at that competitor's party. And um, it was won by uh, Vicki Escobar locally. And Jane Hart also donated some earrings and um, we made a big announcement there about the fundraising. So it was a good time. Everybody really enjoyed themselves being able to, you know, just hang out and relax before the CDI really began. But all competitors were welcome. And, of course, you mentioned this fundraising effort. Tell us a a little bit about that, because we we mentioned at the top of the show there that, I mean, it's a beautiful facility already in the horse park, but you have big plans, don't you? We do. We have big plans. At, you know, Fifteen years ago, this facility was designed to to host a show that was about 350 rides, and they put in a tremendous amount of arenas over the year. We've, years we've added arenas, and now we just really want to the, – the dressage complex was used kind of for the breed demonstration, so it didn't really get upgrades for the World Games that the rest of the park saw. And so now we're trying to raise funds to really upgrade that, to improve the footing in the main CDI arena, to put up a two-story show uh, office, because at this point we have to bring in tents and extra buildings to accommodate the staff, the volunteers, the awards. Um, there's just not enough out there. Um, we'd like to have bathrooms as part of the complex versus over in the horse park. Um, just a whole host of two-story things that will make the facility just as grand as the rest of the facility and in a much nicer place for everybody to show, even though, as you said, it's already very nice. We just want to improve it and make it that much more world-class. It's truly about building a legacy for dressage, the entire dressage world, to be able to enjoy. So fundraising has now begun. Is it how is that going to take shape? Because I know you have got one driving force of a fundraiser behind you in the form of Alston Kerr, who is so uh, involved with the Kentucky Horse Park and the foundation there in fundraising, a, a real driving force, Charlie. W- what are your plans for fundraising? How are they going to take shape? Well, I, I, we kind of came upon this pretty quickly. I think we're in the process right now of trying to figure out if somebody wanted to sponsor a ring exactly what the cost would be per ring to be able to sponsor a ring and or the pavilion to have naming rights on that. So we're getting some packages together to be able to have that. We have begun. We were able to collect, I don't know the last total, but at least I would have guessed we're probably pretty close to 20000 just over the weekend. Well, and what was your target? Our target's $2 million, so we've got a ways to go. But... You know, 20000 is a great start. Everybody, certainly, we had buzz. We had some paperwork there, and phone calls were being made. So 
I'm sure once we get the packages together with naming rights on them, you know, that's going to really help. Um, we do have, we are, are going to study some events that are being held throughout Kentucky to see about bringing them in to raise money, a wine tasting that they hold over in Louisville to try and, and replicate something like that over in Lexington to raise money for this complex, as well as discussing bringing different horse events in, um, we haven't really made too many contacts there, so I hesitate to say whom, but bring different horsey events in to really hit the social scene in Lexington and, and drive people in to buy tickets to raise money for this, where they can just have a good time and see some horses. Absolutely. Well, mention, if you would, while you're here, Charlie, the other shows that you host for the, the, or the KDA, the Kentucky Dressage Association, host during the year. Right, and and also too, you asked about parties, and I just mentioned the one. We do have a Saturday night Saturday night gala, and I believe this year we had twelve freestyle rides, and absolutely the best freestyle rides that we have had um, at our Saturday gala, where we have a competitors uh, another competitors party, the exhibitors party. We serve barbecue, and then in celebration of the twenty fifth anniversary, we had some nice Spanish sparkling wine to go with that. So a good time was had by all. You know, sitting under. Thankfully, nice sunny skies and a dry ground to watch the freestyles and enjoy the music. Uh, our other shows in August, we have a, a schooling show, a ride a test, and a show for alternative dressage horses on Saturday. And then we have our schooling show on Sunday at Masterson Station Park. Our um, lead judge this year is going to be Mr. Tom Poulin. So I'm sure that we will have an even better turnout than we had last year because everybody's going to want to come and ride for Tom. And then this fall, we are hosting a two, two one-day shows on the 15th and 16th, also to be held at the Kentucky Horse Park. And then in 2012, we have been awarded the USDF Region 2 Championships to be held at this site. So that's the big reason we really want to get the fundraising done as quickly as possible so that we can have the facility ready We'd love to have it ready for the May show. Certainly, that's important. But we really, really want to set the stage well for for Region 2. Uh, there were many people who don't normally show Region 2 even this weekend who said, if you guys are hosting Region 2, we will be here. We're changing our show schedule to come to your region. So we look forward to hosting a wonderful Region 2 in 2012 and hope to have, have this facility in t- tip-top shape for them all. Well, something to aspire to, look forward to. Uh, Charlie, I want to wish you the very best of luck with your fundraising. Good luck with that and uh, all the endeavors over there at KDA. And we'll catch up with you later in the season, perhaps, and and hear how the fundraising is going and uh, the rest of the shows this summer. We welcome it. And again, Chris, thank you so much for having us on. And we will keep you informed and, and apprised of the events as they happen so that the dressage community can can take part. Well, in just a moment, we're going to hear from my guest, uh, Karen Blignolt, the author of Equine Biomechanics for Riders. But before that, I'd like to remind you about one of our valued sponsors here that makes this show possible, and that's Kentucky Performance Products. It's that time of the year when your horse will be sweating more and needs more help in replenishing fluids. KPP offers a solution with Summer Games Electrolytes. Originally created for horses competing at the Olympic Games, this formulation is a combination of minerals similar to the levels typically lost in sweat. Summer Games is a concentrated electrolyte that contains minimal sugar and supports normal hydration. Plus, it's palatable and easy to feed. So help your horse beat the heat with Summer Games Electrolyte. 
And to find out more about this and all of the KPP products, please visit kppusa.com or call 1-800-772-1988. And, of course, to learn more about horse nutrition and interact with the KPP experts, be sure to join their Facebook fan page. Well, as I said, my next guest this week is Karen Blignold. She is the author of a fascinating book, Equine Biomechanics for Riders. And those of you who are regulars on the Dressage Radio Show will know that biomechanics is something that we cover when Heather Blitz is on the show. She's a great proponent of biomechanics for riders and also, of course, her mentor, Mary Wanless. But this is a different perspective, and Karen Blignold is going to be joining me now from South Africa. Well, Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. You are in Cape Town, South Africa, and it, of course, it's a different season over there now, isn't it? Cold weather for you. Cold and wet. Cold and wet. <laughs> now, do you do you ride still, Karen? Are you competing? Uh, yes, I I am competing, but at the moment, uh, my horse is still recovering from an injury, so I haven't uh, I haven't competed for a year, but plan to. Uh, get onto it again uh, about August. Well, I'm looking at your beautiful book, The Equine Biomechanics for Riders, which, uh, of course, was published in 2009 by J.A. Allen, the one and only publisher, I should say, since they're my publisher as well. So we have to give them a good promotion. And, and of course, Leslie Gowers, who's your editor. She was my editor for many years. She's a great girl. So we'll uh, give a mention to... Uh, Leslie in the process and she of course has been promoting your book avidly it is a beautiful book and as I said biomechanics for riders it covers a whole range of topics Karen let's get a little bit of background as to why you thought this book was a book that had to be written well Chris thank you firstly for that compliment um my the the equine biomechanics book I started can I go a bit into history? I started writing Successful Schooling uh, many years ago. It came out in 1997. And straight afterwards, I started writing on uh, biomechanics for riders. And I'd gathered over the years 900 pages and still haven't completed that book, which we... I can tell you about a bit later. But um, in the meantime, my husband said to me, he started doing yoga and he said, what about doing a book on yoga for horses? And I thought he was completely crazy. But out of that developed stretch exercises for your horse. And I did that. um, I thought it would be a a short book uh, and that I should fit that in before I wrote my, what I feel is my magnus opus, which is not not, uh, done yet. Uh, that came out, and then um, while while in between, I was getting a little frustrated with certain concepts in riding, which I felt was just uh, quite against um, natural biomechanics of the horse. And some of these misconceptions I felt I could write a little book about, and I thought it was going to be a short little 150-page book, and that I would do that again before my very large book that is in the pipeline. Um, And that's how equine biomechanics came about. It started off as uh, going to be just about misconceptions in riding and ended up uh, with a whole treatise on biomechanics. 
Well, of course, the subject of biomechanics is not new to us here on the Dressage Radio Show because our good friend Heather Blitz, who's a regular co-host here, is an avid uh, practitioner of, uh, of the subject and, of course, follows in the footsteps of Mary Wanless, who you will be familiar with. Yes. So in terms of this subject and how it can apply, there are so many dimensions to it, as you mentioned in the different chapters, Karen, you know, everything from the concepts to communication and engagement and, and of course, the misconceptions of the subject of biomechanics too and, and how this marries with the horse. Talk us a little bit through the whole process of biomechanics and how you feel that it relates and how important it is to riders. My feeling and my philosophy throughout riding and teaching, writing, is that um, we have to communicate communicate in a, a language that the horse can understand. And I felt that when I learned to ride, and it took me forever, uh, it was about signals to the horse. And these signals weren't very clear either. You know, man has been riding horses for 6,000 years, and the majority of us still don't know how to get a horse on the bit. Um, and it's a simple question of of explaining to the horse what you want. And if uh, this explanation is through a body language, and if, you, if you're working with another body, through a body, you have to maneuver it and then you obviously have to know how it works and how it reacts to, 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 to move it and maneuver it in the position you need. Um, does that more or less explain? Well, it does and we talk about it being the key to balanced riding and, of course, Heather and, and Mary um, focus very much on the biomechanics of the rider you've focused on equine biomechanics and how it applies to riders so it's the meeting of two minds and i'd like to understand a little bit more what riders in you know if you in a nutshell if you had to encapsulate this in a in a in a headline or or a short paragraph karen what do you think riders should understand fundamentally about the horse's biomechanics what I realized when uh, doing the research was that horses actually in nature do uh, everything opposite to what we expect of them uh, in dressage and even in jumping. And the major thing there is that when they turn, they turn with their shoulders and their head goes the opposite way because they, as they move their shoulder in or their shoulders in, their center of gravity moves and they have to counterbalance by turning their head to the outside. Uh, in dressage, we need their head to the inside. So we have to counterbalance them to put their weight on their outside side, if that makes sense to you. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, the most important uh, skill a rider can have is to be able to flip the horse's rib, rib cage to push his weight to the outside. Then your inside bend is there. I realized... Um, very recently that virtually every balance mistake and rhythm mistake can be almost subscribed to the fact that the horse is not truly bent to the inside uh, in balance. Uh, if he's bent to the inside, there won't, will be no pull on the inside rein uh, and the horse will stay in balance. Uh, it's very difficult to verbalize a, a 
physical movement, but does that make sense? Yes, because we often know, you know, when horses are being worked, how uh, you're riding them one direction or the other and their shoulder falls out. It's a very common term to hear their shoulder falling out. Yeah. What should riders learn from the biomechanics of the horse to correct that? Uh, that is exactly what happens. The horse, if you go around the corner, the shoulder falls in. What he's simply doing is that he's putting his weight on his inside foreleg. And with that, his head will go to the outside. And riders often say, my horse is stiff. Horse is not stiff at all, but he's simply unbalanced. So the um, uh, important thing there to do is to try and shift the horse's weight onto his outside shoulder. And that you do with your inside leg. And that whole concept of riding from the inside leg to the outside hand, which is a very esoteric concept if you re- don't know what what it is, is simply pushing your horse with the inside with your inside leg, pushing his shoulder, even his hindquarter as well, over so that his weight is on his outside. He can then bend his neck and his shoulder won't fall in. I often, if, if it will help, what I often do is I put my inside leg slightly forward and tap the horse on the shoulder and he immediately moves his weight over and he immediately gets the bend. Because you often see horses being ridden and, you know, at the risk of offending anyone here, uh, that they're not in a balanced way of going, that riders will override a horse um, and and put try and put it in a place that it's either not ready to be put in or it's for some reason it's not comfortable, it's not fit, it's not supple enough. And, and so I think the whole concept of equine biomechanics for riders is an important one for riders to understand. What sort of things can they do from the ground to help supple the horse i mean you see things like you know getting them to take a treat all the way you know bending their way neck all the way around to their girth is there are those exercises that you advocate karen to get the horse supple from the ground before you even get on absolutely i I like to do a a bit of suppling exercise beforehand but uh, you don't want to do too much on cold muscles so uh, what I often do is warm my horse up and then um, hop off and uh, especially on the side where the horse feels stiffer I would actually do a few um, neck neck stretch exercises Um, amazingly you get on and the horse is immediately better absolutely immediately better well, the other thing, of course, that riders use for whatever reason around the world, they have different methods, different training methods, and they use different gadgets. They use tack and gadgets and artificial aids is what we call them. That is probably contrary to your principles of understanding equine biomechanics, and if they were better understood, there would be less need for those gadgets? I absolutely agree with you 100 percent but my feeling is if riders can learn to communicate in a way the horse can understand you actually don't need a gadget Um, this that those concepts will be coming out in my next book which um, can I um talk about it absolutely we're going to ask you about your next book you said you've got your magnus opum is that is that what's waiting for us 
Well, it was too big to to write, so I turned it, <laughs> so I turned it into two hopefully small, shorter books. Um, and the one that I'm talking about now is something I call Four Steps to Riding Success. And um, basically what I say there is that there are four exercises uh, on which everything else in riding is um, a variation of. Uh, and if you can do those four things, um, you can go to Grand Prix dressage. But using a system of pressure release so that if if you're asking the horse correctly in in the way he can understand biomechanically um, and he yields, you immediately release the pressure like a hot potato. So with, when you put your legs on very lightly and the horse doesn't react, uh, you either use your spur or tap him with a whip and he has to jump forwards and then you release all pressure and you don't put your legs on again until you... And you won't need it very often. Um, that's just a simple principle that everybody knows. It's classical, but we don't actually do it um, in a technique that that um, is sustainable. I don't know why. We all learnt uh, the principle, but um, I, I don't think it followed through completely. Um, so the 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 first exercise would be forward and the second one halt the third one is a turn on the forehand to control the horse's hindquarters and the fourth one is to walk straight with an inside bend with those four exercises you can do absolutely everything um don't know if that answers the question though. well yeah no i think what's interesting is that you know we can break down the art of riding to some very basic fundamental yeah aspects such as you've those step step by step and you know it, it does come down to stop and go and doing that correctly and learning to walk in a balanced way you know in a correct way there's so many fundamentals that we i think as riders try and get ahead of ourselves all too quickly don't we yeah i i think the biggest problem and the major problem is that we give the horse two simultaneous opposing messages. And in fact, the riding language um, teaches us that. It says forward to halt. Now, um, you know, when you start riding, you don't understand that. How can a horse that is only a horse can under, um, understand that you that when you hold him and push him, he's got to go forwards? Well, absolutely. I mean, these are very fundamental aspects of, of, of riding. And I think your biomechanics book, Equine Biomechanics for Riding, will, will obviously give people an understanding of what they should understand about the horse. And then this new book, what is it going to be called, uh, the, the ones that you're working on now, Karen? Well, that, the one I just explained is um, working title of Four Steps to Riding Success. The other one is another passion of mine. You know, I don't know if you realize I... Uh, I'm a trained occupational therapist, so uh, I studied biomechanics at university and also teaching sport to disabled people. Um, so uh, this passion of mine is it, it's going to be I, – I, I don't quite have a working title yet, but it is body use um, versus body position so that we actually teach people to use their bodies rather than to sit straight. You know, if you mm – -hmm any riding lesson uh, you will hear 
one of three um, uh, uh, um, instructions. I'm, I'm going to turn you here into the... Um, I'm going to change roles with you. Uh, just in what comes up in your head when I say three instructions that are continuously repeated in writing well, lists. Exactly. They're the mantra of the conventional writing instructors, and this is something that you won't hear you know, if you were to work with somebody like Heather Blitz or Mary Wanless. They get away yeah. from that, which I think is where you're going. It's not those traditional instructions about heels down and hands or That's know, pos- position, <laughs> positioning, you know, rider Position. positioning. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned... Um, that your occupational therapy. I was going to ask you about that, and you've because you've worked with children, haven't you? And I, I'm curious as to how you have applied your knowledge in occupational therapy and that understanding of how and disabled children relate to horses as well. Of course, that in itself has become, you know, a therapeutic world uh, which speaks to volumes to uh, to the um, role of the horse, of course. Tell us a little bit about how you've related that background that you've had to what you know now about horses and uh, working with horses and the use of the body, of course, and not just where you, where you sit in the saddle. I, as an occupational therapist, I worked primarily with a, um, cerebral palsy children and children with learning difficulties. Uh, actually, just an interesting Maybe uh, the school I worked with worked at in um, Durban was right next to a riding school, and the riding was my extramural activity. So I I never got involved with riding for the disabled because I felt that I couldn't work um, my eight-hour day job with disabled children and um, use my my recreation time my passion for horses um i felt it would it would clash in a sense but uh, what happened is molly Sivright came to cape town many years ago and i had a lesson with her um i couldn't understand why it took so long to learn to ride properly there's the learning to ride which anybody can do within a week you get on a horse and you ride but then there's the art of riding which I define as the ability to uh, communicate with a horse and that eluded me for so long I finally realized it was because of the teaching of position rather than teaching of um, riding and Molly Sivright came and she had some very interesting um, methods that made me think uh, along the lines of how we make spastic children um, move more naturally. And we used the automatic balance reactions, automatic writing reactions, um, to, and, and we'd position them and use gravity or remove the position them in such a way that gravity doesn't have an effect on their muscles. And then I found that horses have the same uh, automatic reactions and if we can maneuver them in a position and then ex- tell them now you do something you have a a, a perfect um, success rate the horse will immediately do what you ask if he understands what you want unless he has a physical injury or um, uh, has been abused or what or something like that 
Now, you mentioned Molly Siverite, of course, from the Tallinn School of Equitation in Gloucestershire, England, established that and passed it along to Pammy Hutton, her daughter. <coughs> Excuse me. And I want to uh, ask you, Karen, who were your mentors? Who were the classical horsemen and women that inspired you? My first teacher um, taught me to give with the reins. He never want, he, he, he never allowed us to take contact on his ponies. So we used to ride with these light reins and then we had to learn to use our bodies. So for that, I'm eternally grateful. Um, I got the horse on the bit accidentally at a show when the horse was going very forward and I did a, I probably pulled, so he went on the bit. But because his mouth was never spoiled, he yielded to my contact. Um, after that, not really many uh, a teacher came who'd been riding in in Germany for two years, and she brought new insights uh, for me and made a, a definite change. Um, and then finally, uh, we a, a Canadian instructor came. He'd been riding in Germany for about six years, and he suddenly, I suddenly, I just got a feel through. And I can't tell you what he said and what he taught me, but it it had an effect. But um, ultimately, I read a lot, and probably the the person, um, the school that I follow, and the person that made the most sense to me was um, Francois Francois Boucher. Mm-hmm. Francois Boucher, and, of course, a classical. Uh, French dressage rider and trainer of the old school. And it's interesting, Karen, that you will appreciate this being a reader of equitation, that if you speak to some of the older generation, the senior generation, and ask them what book they would have on their nightstand now, so many of them are still reading those old equitation books. Yes, uh, Chris, I found that, um, and I, I even, I, I don't know that I'll find it, place in my book to write this but I have made a note of it that just about everything we need to know about horses has been said before the only problem is that you have to read all the books to get all the little bits together yes <laughs> there's not one that has the total answer but I think uh, poor Francois Boucher was never never gained the recognition that he really should have had especially his method what he called his new method um of riding in bedroom slippers Be- uh, because he he had to um as one of my pupils said ride like a girl with more intuition than power yes and intuition of course is a valuable asset if you if you 're lucky if you have it, and if you don 't then you have to learn skills um, but it, it it all belongs in that art of riding as opposed to just being able to ride a horse yes I, I always say to my male riders, and this is where, where where this man came with this answer that you need to ride as though you had half your weight and half your strength. And then find ways to communicate with the horse with, without the strength. Yes. And that's, that's yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. That's when, no, that's when he said, you mean I must ride like a girl. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, that is a, a very good point that, uh, you know, it isn't about strength, of course. We can never get, uh, you know, in, in better of a horse through uh, strength alone, and it's a mistake to think that we can. But I think an understanding, certainly, of the the horse's biomechanics, how he functions, and where the balance needs to be, uh, and some of the things that you can work through to understand that and uh, and have a better appreciation of the gates and the movements and you know the functional anatomy all the things that you talk about in your book equine biomechanics for riders is there any way that you would summarize this book if you had to sell it in in a in a couple of sentences karen what would they be that is such a hard question um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if i had to sell it um you do realize that uh, I, I, I don't sell my own books. <laughs> oh, I understand that. I understand that's that. Right. No, I, in terms of getting the message across yeah, to, right. you know, from, from the author, and it's so much obviously more effective to hear from the author in their own words, the value of this book, because I think you have to be willing and open to to, to actually absorb this information and to, you know, to want to be better riders and have to have that better understanding of of the horse's biomechanics and and not, I think so many people today don't have time to read or don't make time to read these books just as we've read the old equitation books from years past, and and it's I think it's you know it it makes us a better better horsemen and women better riders better proponents of the art of riding as you said Karen which is why I wanted to, to maybe. Get that right. message to our listeners in your own words. All right. Um, personally, if you know, understand the horse's biomechanics and can work through that to communicate with a horse, your riding and your training will speed up by uh, tenfold at least because you won't be making mistakes in asking the horse for something he can't do. If well, you, yeah, that, yeah. right there, that, Karen. Yes, right there is uh, is not that a horse can't do is not ready to do for whatever reason, whatever reason that may be. He's not ready to do or, or physically can't do them. And yes, as you know, there'll be so many reasons behind that. I, I can give you a very simple example, and this one is not in my book. Um, my my horse is barefoot, and I have a terrific barefoot trimmer who knows. Uh, absolutely everything about feet and inside, outside. And she looked at my, I was struggling with a canter pirouette and she looked at the horse's feet and she said the high, um, the heels on his on her hind feet are too far forward. She can't sit on her feet. So that's also a biomechanical principle, although not in my book. But that's a very simple example of if you do understand the biomechanics, you can change the horse uh, uh, terrifically and um, you know if if you understand the horse's biomechanics the first time you ask him to walk to canter he'll do it immediately the first time you ask for a shoulder in you will get a shoulder in um, even a half pass which is much more difficult because the horse's balance is very it put into a very unnatural um, way um, but even that you can do the first time you ask, provided you know how to maneuver his balance. Uh, you, let's use the 
half past as an example. The horse moves his head in the direction he's going, his head and neck. So his center of gravity moves to that inside shoulder. He then immediately um, falls, in inverted commas, onto that shoulder, which immediately then turns his head to the opposite side. <laughs> Does that do you get that Absolutely. picture? Absolutely, yes, quite. Uh, so if you understand how to keep his weight again on his outside shoulder, he's not going to lose his bend in the half pass and he'll be able to cross over. So uh, I think that probably gives the best example of why equine biomechanics is extremely important for riders to um, understand. Well, that's a great way to sum it up, Karen. Thank you very much for that. We will, of course, put a link uh, to your book on our website, as always, Equine Biomechanics for Riders by Karen Blignolt. Thank you so much for spending time with us, and I hope you'll come back again and talk about your new books when they're published. Thank you very much, Chris. It's been a great honor to be uh, interviewed by you. I just had a look at the other people you interviewed, and I feel very humbled. Thank you. And we will, of course, put a link to this title, Equine Biomechanics for Riders by Karen Blignolt from our website, where, of course, you can shop directly to Amazon for all your horse books, too. Well, before I go any further, I want to remind you of our sponsors here, one of our valued sponsors, and that is Equestrian Collections, where you can shop for all your favorite dressage brands like Rumpf International, Keritz, Fitz, and Good Rider. Equestrian Collections has everything dressage for both horse and rider, so don't forget to visit them at equestriancollections.com. And I'd like to mention a relatively new listener to the Dressage Radio Show who left us a very nice message, and I spoke with Susan Olson from New Mexico. She is a big fan of Heather Blitz and also trains with Joni Bolton out there in New Mexico. She is catching up with all the episodes here on the show, loves Heather's tips, and uh, loves to listen to the radio show when she's driving. She has a, a great commute each day, so she's glad to listen to us. And uh, Susan, thank you very much for contact, contacting us. We love to hear from any of you. Don't forget you can send me your emails to chris at horseradionetwork.com. And uh, this week I'm introducing a new segment, and this is all in my effort to promote good horsemanship amongst uh, all of the disciplines here that uh, we represent on the Horse Radio Network. And uh, this is with an extract from a book uh, which uh, offers a really nice quotes, and, and, and I'll be picking quotes from different titles as the weeks unfold here. And I'm calling this segment Words of Wisdom. So here's our first edition. When Klaus Belkenhol was asked what makes a good rider, he said, One who understands the horse, one who is capable of listening to the horse. You have to speak their language. When you ride, you have to know what this horse will allow or tolerate, and, more important, what they won't tolerate. A good rider is one who understands the half-halt. The rider has to close the hand and slow the horse, but then immediately release with the hand. If a rider holds too long... He pulls the horse onto the forehand, he blocks the energy from behind, and he creates rhythm faults. This is especially true if the rider holds and drives at the same time. All of the energy that the rider creates pushes the horse onto the forehand. A rider has to activate the hind end of the horse only when the horse is light in the hand. The rider must strive to drive the horse forward only when the horse is not pulling. A rider must explain to the horse that he must work more without running forward against the hand. 
In this way, the horse will relax in his back and maintain a nice, even rhythm. Dressage Masters by David Collins, published in 2006 by the Lions Press, describes the techniques and philosophies of four legendary trainers. And as we come to the end of the show this week, I want to uh, mention a new um, initiative that I started here on all of my shows on the Horse Radio Network, the Dressage Radio Show, of course, the Eventing Radio Show, and the Jumping Radio Show, and that is a call to young reporters. And I'm looking for young reporters under the age of 20 who would like to come on the radio show and report on a dressage uh, event that uh, show that's in their area, any competition at any level, anywhere in the world. And those young reporters, as I said, must be under 20 years of age. So if you think that you would uh, be a good reporter and uh, you'd like to report on a show in your area, please email me at chris at horseradionetwork.com and I will give you a call and we will audition you to come on the Dressage Radio Show. So any young reporter out there who feels that they can do this job, be a broadcaster and join me here on the show and report on their local competition. I'd love to hear from you. You must be under 20 years of age and uh, send me an email to chris at horseradionetwork.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And, of course, don't forget the Horse World Gives Back campaign that we are hosting with the Radiothon next Monday, the 6th, between 6 and 9 p.m. Eastern at um, horseworldgivesback.com is the website where you can tune in and the number there will be to call in on the website there at horseworldgivesback.com. And don't forget all our show notes here are dressageradio.com where you will find the link to the Hallway Feeds app so you can listen to the show on the go. And also enjoy the Audible free trial there. There's a link on the website to Audible. And also the shopping. You can do your shopping at Amazon by just clicking on the link on our website. Don't forget our Facebook fan page. is very active community there on Facebook. Just look for Dressage Radio Show on Facebook and leave your comments, questions or suggestions. And as always, you can email those to me, chris at horseradionetwork.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter. It's Chris E. Stafford or Horse Radio. And you can also follow Horse World Gives Back. And that is our Twitter name, Horse World Gives Back. Well, I will be back, of course, the same time, same place next week. So until then, thank you all for listening.